Amen. All right. So we're continuing through 1 John. Um, and remember, 1 John is to saved people. Okay? So he's writing this letter to saved individuals. Um, and last week we talked about you, or not last week, a couple weeks ago, uh, we talked about is Jesus real to you? And so if the answer to that, if the answer to that is yes, Jesus is real to you, then that means that we should live accordingly. We should walk accordingly. And so that's what uh, these next verses are about, is the believer's walk. Um, and something interesting about the book of First uh, John, and I think we talked about this a little bit already, but uh, if you compare this to the book of James, right? James is all about how other people can know that you're saved. And 1 John is all about how you can know that you're saved, right? And so when we talk about the believer's walk, how you are living your life, understand that this is from the perspective of this is how you measure yourself. Uh, if you ever have any doubts or anything, uh, or anything, you should look at how you are living your life. Are you living your life according to the way Christ wants you to live? And understand that this is not working for salvation, right? This is two people that are already saved. So uh, we, a lot of times, have in life, you know, times where we may doubt because of things that we have heard or things that uh, other preachers even say sometimes. You know, there's all kinds of false teachings out in the world that can cause us to doubt sometimes. Even sometimes our own actions can cause us to doubt. And so the book of 1 John is really, he's, remember, he's talking about how you can know that you're saved. And one of the things he's combating is all of these false teachings that were happening at the time. And so that was causing these believers to read this to have doubts. And so he's going to go through here. He's like, well, if you do this, well, you know, you're, you're, if, if you don't live accordingly, you're a liar, right? If you do live accordingly, you have fellowship with Christ, right? And so that's what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer before we dive into God's word. Dear Lord, uh, I thank you so much, Lord, for... Uh, your word, Lord, and that it, it can guide us and help us through our lives, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to work in each one of us and help us to be more and more who you want us to be. Um, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us to have uh, assurance, not, not secure, Lord, security, Lord, but assurance in the knowledge that we, that we are saved, Lord, and help us to not have doubts. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be going through verses 5 through 10 in John chapter 1. Um, and the first thing in the believer's walk is John talks about walking in light. Uh, and if you remember a little while ago, we were going through the book of Ephesians, and we talked about this a little bit. So I'm not going to spend too much time going through all, retreading all of that stuff. But um, anything that's worth saying is worth saying again, right? So... Uh, but God is light. So that's the first thing that we have to understand here. Uh, we have to understand who our God is, right? We have to understand that God is light. And so if we are to be following him, right, we are supposed to be walking in light, right? And so uh, God is light. This is 1 John 1, 5. This is our first verse this morning. It says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Then John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 kind of echoes this. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, 
and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And so the darkness not comprehending means that the darkness could not overcome the light. It's an awesome thing. So God is light. By extension, Jesus is light. John 8, 12. It said, this is Jesus speaking of himself. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That's awesome, right? And so, again, when we talk about our walk, right, we're talking about how we live our lives and that we're, we need to be following the Lord, following the light. Uh, David speaks about this. It, it, he says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, right, or a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. We're to be following God. That will illuminate our path, not keep us in ignorance or anything, but he will tell us which way to go. Understand also that this means, again, aligning ourselves to Christ. The next verse here talks about, uh, now, the, so if God, it says God is light, right? And in him is no darkness at all. Now, John shifts the attention to us, the reader, uh, and he, said, he talks about if we walk in darkness, right? If we walk in darkness. Uh, it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, it says, if we say, or sorry, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say that we have fellowship with Christ, right? If we say that we have fellowship with God, right? Since God is light, but if we're walking in darkness, right? If we are completely immersed in sin still in our lives, walking in sin, right? This is not talking about just committing a sin every once in a while. This is talking about walking in sin. If we're doing that, we're liars, right? We're not practicing the truth. The Bible uh, that we have here, it's called the canon, right? And the canon means that it's this measuring rod. Uh, that, that's, what, that's what the word canon meant. And so uh, the interesting thing about that, right, is we can use the Bible as this measuring rod, right? If we try to measure ourselves up against anyone else, right, we're gonna, our measurements are going to be all off. But you would take this measuring rod, and whenever you needed to cut something else, you would keep that same one, and you would cut all of them compared to it. And the reason why I bring this up is, is we need to be measuring ourselves, measuring our actions up against the Bible. That's one of the ways that we can know in our hearts that we are saved. Hey, am I trying to measure up to this is this what's guiding my life right or am i just living my life however i want to again not a recipe for how to get saved but how you can know that you are already that's what it's talking about there about not practicing the truth you if you're not practicing the bible that's the truth right then you do not have you're a liar Right? If you say if you say you're following God and you aren't acting like it, you're lying. Mainly, you're lying to yourself. The flip side of that, if we walk in the light, right? If we walk in the light, First John one seven says, "But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, 
And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so if we're walking according to the way that God wants, right, that's a way that we can know that we're saved, that we know that we're Christians. I think about, you know, this whole, the discipleship process and uh, one of the things that uh, disciples did with their rabbis when they were following their rabbis is they would follow so closely to them. I've said this many times, but they would follow so closely to them that they would be caked in their dust. Right? They're literally walking in their footsteps. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. We need to be trying to follow so closely that we're caked in his dust. Right? We're attempting to be exactly like Christ. Now, again, we are going to fail at times, and that will be addressed later in this passage. But we need to be following Christ. We need to be following the light. What does this mean for us? Well, it means for us that we can't even have fellowship with darkness. If we... Uh, People like, a lot of times like to say, well, Jesus hung out with sinners, right? Jesus hung out with sinners. Well, there's two things there. One, we're not Jesus, right? Two, Jesus was always going to be an effect on them, right? They were not an effect on him. And so if we are going to be with, with unsaved, lost people, right, it is to be a ministry, we need to be influencing them. They need to not be an influence on us. And so that's what, what it means to not have fellowship with darkness. We can't be going out partying with people expecting that that's not going to have an effect on us. You know, that, that's a message for churches today, too. A, a lot of churches today like to adapt to the world uh, and bring worldly people into the church and that changes their churches, right? That changes them from what they're supposed to be. We need to be bringing light out to the darkness instead of inviting darkness to the light. We are opposed to darkness. Understand that when we're lost, we are at enmity with God. That means we're enemies of God. So understand that sin and darkness in the world, that is our enemy. Again, we, we can't be having fellowship with it. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Understand, we, we need to be opposed to the things of this world. We need to fight against it, right? We are also, as you know, people, as followers of God, who is light, right? We need to expose sin. Many people have heard, you know, there's a saying, sunlight is the best disinfectant, right? Uh, if you leave bacteria out in the sunlight, it kills it. Right? That's what we need to be doing in this world. We need to expose sin. Ephesians 5, 12 through 14, it says, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. So don't cover it up. But all things that are exposed 
are made manifest by the light for whoever or sorry for whatever makes manifest is light therefore he says awake you who sleep arise from the dead and Christ will give you light so we need to expose sin we not keep things hidden we also again need to bring light to the world Matthew 5:14 through 16 says you are the light of the world. I love this here because Jesus in the other passage that we went through says, I am the light of the world, right? Now Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus is talking to his church here. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I, I love the part of this where it talks about you know, um, the, the light in the room part, right? Where you don't, you don't just put it on the ground. If, you're, uh, if it's dark in your house, right? Everybody's had a blackout at one point or another in here, right? And you don't take that light, candle, whatever it is, and put it under something to, in order for it to give light. That doesn't make sense. But I love that it talks about here lifting it up like on a lampstand so it gives light to the room. Have you guys ever done that? I, I, I've done that at times with my phone, right? You have the light on your phone. If you direct it at something, it'll give light to that one thing. But if you hold it up over your head and point it at the ceiling, it lights up the whole room, right? That's a really cool thing. But that's what we are to be as churches. We're not to be just meeting here and, you know, it's, a, it's awesome to meet here and praise God. But again, people don't see us here. People see how we are living our lives. And so we need to be beacons for people to come to Christ. So we need to bring light to the world. And a lot of times the idea of evangelism today is, well, I'm going to go invite them to church, right? Uh, I heard someone talking about this, and that's taking your responsibility of evangelism and giving it to your pastor, right? That's, that's all of our responsibility, right? But it's also, uh, I think, I, it was one of the brothers I was talking to uh, was talking about this idea of, you know, when we invite people to church, right? And this, it's a good thing to invite people to church. I'm not knocking that. But if we invite people to church and we're not, you know, evangelizing in other ways, what that is, is that is inviting darkness to the light. Whereas we are supposed to be bringing light to the darkness, right? The purpose of church is that so we all here can be edified and trained and equipped to go out and preach the gospel. So we need to walk in light. That live according to the canon, right? According to the truth aligning ourselves with Christ because God is light, right? So we need to walk according to that. We also need to walk in fellowship. We need to walk in fellowship. I'm going to read verses 6 and 7 again of 1 John chapter 1. And I want to point out here that there, there's two different types of fellowship that are talked about here. It says that if we say that we have fellowship with him, right, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So first, 
fellowship with Christ, right? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so first, fellowship with Christ, right? If we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But what does it mean to have fellowship with Christ? What did Jesus say, right? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? Do what I'm telling you to do, right? If we truly love Christ, we are going to live accordingly. And that means we have fellowship with him. And what's awesome about that is if we do that, if we are all here trying to follow Christ as best as we can, what does that mean? Well, it means that we also, we can have fellowship with each other in that. That's what John is saying here. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so John is going to repeat this idea throughout uh, the book of 1 John, this idea of fellowship, fellowship with God and fellowship with each other and how important that is. Right? John's not talking about fellowship with everyone else outside this church. When he talks about, uh, you know, he talks about loving the brethren, he doesn't talk about necessarily loving your neighbor. Uh, John, in the book of John, uh, writes down that Jesus says that, but he gives a new commandment, and we're going to get to that later, but uh, that he gives a new commandment saying loving, uh, talking about loving the brethren. And so one of the ways that we can know that we're saved Right? Is with we love to have fellowship with each other here, right? In serving Christ. It's one of the things that makes me very sad when people just it, lately, and this isn't just our church, this is many churches after COVID, people have just abandoned going to church. They don't people don't really care about it anymore. That's a sad thing. It, people really they, what happened to the love of the brethren? They go, oh, well, I watch church at home. I, I'm doing church. No. We need to have fellowship with each other. We should desire to worship God together. It's one of the ways that we actually know that we're believers. Is if we love other believers. The next thing. And I talked about a lot about walk, walking in the light and not walking in the darkness, right? That does not mean that we don't sin ever, right? The next thing here is that we need to walk in forgiveness. The reality, God wants us to not sin, right? God wants us to not sin. But the reality is, is that we're all still sinners, right? We are all going to sin, we need to understand that the only thing that gets us through, the only thing that gets us through life, the only thing that gets us into heaven is the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And so we need to walk according to that as well. We need to walk in forgiveness. John talks about here, and these are some of my favorite verses in the Bible, uh, 8, 9, and 10, right? And you're going to hear me say a, an example of this that I say way too much. But first he talks about if we say that we have no sin. And this is the one that, that gets to me a lot with a lot of these modern progressive preachers. Right? I've actually heard some of them say, oh, I don't sin. 
right? I don't sin anymore. Thanks, thanks to Jesus, I don't sin anymore. No, you're, you're a liar, right? 1 John 1.8 literally says this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if I were to get up here and say, I'm a born-again believer in Jesus, and that means I no longer sin. I'm a liar, right? We cannot, everybody, even after we're saved, we still sin. That's a reality of life. Now, understand that Paul says, though, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, right? We need to understand that sin is still a very terrible thing, but it is a reality of our flesh nature that we still have, right? The flip side to this, right? So first, if we say that we have no sin, right, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us, right? But, right, if we confess our sin, if we admit that we're sinners, Right? This, again, this is to saved individuals. This is not how you are saved. This is to saved people. We still need to confess all the time. We still need to pray and repent all the time. Probably sin this morning. I don't even realize it, right? 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a beautiful verse there. That's like the gospel in a nutshell, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's unpack that a little bit. So if we confess our sins, right? God's not going to give you what you don't ask for. Right? We need to confess all the time, right? And this is about having fellowship. You know, uh, I'm being careful about the way I word this here. You can be a saved individual and still have a damaged relationship with, with God, right? You, have, you can have poor fellowship with God in this life. Uh, if, we're, if we have unrepentant sin in our lives, right, if we're not admitting it to God, well, then you have a poor relationship with God. So understand there the if, right, if we confess our sins. The awesome thing here, it says, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he is faithful and just. Why is he faithful and just to forgive us? Because Christ already paid the price. Christ already died on the cross. That same, you know, it, people like to like focus on that God is loving, right? Well, God is loving, but He's also righteous and just, right? God is just in condemning people. When people go to hell, they are justly going to hell. Okay, God is just in that. But that same characteristic of God. God is just in, sen in sending people to hell for their sin. God is also just in forgiving sins. Why? Because Jesus already paid the price. And so it's, it's awesome that 
the same characteristic that would condemn us before God is the same characteristic that God has that saves us. Because Jesus paid the price, and if we call on him, right, if he's the reason why we're getting to heaven, then God is completely just in forgiving us. So he's, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and then and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? So whatever sins we commit, right, if we go to the Lord and we ask for forgiveness, it's wiped away. Right? And that's no matter how many times we go to God. Uh, there, there's an analogy that I really like with this verse. I heard it when I was a kid, and I've said it to you guys before, but uh, it's the coffee shop analogy. Right, where say you know your pastor's a forgetful guy, right, and he goes to a coffee shop, right, and I order my coffee, uh, you know, uh, uh, I get you know the caramel latte or whatever it is, right, or or what the, around Halloween time get the PCL, is that what it's called, PCL, or the pumpkin spice latte, or no, PSL, PSL, pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> anyway, uh, getting a little fruity there, but. Uh, Say I go to there, and they, they make the drink, right? And I, I'm about to pay for it. It's already made, right? I go, oh, I forgot my wallet. I forgot my wallet. They go, Can you get me this time? I, I promise I'll, I'll pay you back next time. And they go, oh, yeah, no problem. We already made the drink. You can take it, right? So I go again the next day, right? And I, I order the same thing, and I, I go, oh, man, I forgot my wallet again, right? And to my surprise, they, they give me they they give it to me anyway again, right? And say I go again the next day, and I do the same thing, and I forgot my wallet again. When you know I'm just really a forgetful person, or maybe I'm taking advantage at this point. I don't know, um, but they give it to me again. Now now you're thinking, well, that, that's that doesn't sound right. You know, no no coffee shop is going to do that, right? But what I didn't know, and what you guys don't know, is Brother Robert back there, he went to the coffee shop ahead of time, right? Paid them, he gave, put his card on file, right? And said, anytime he comes in and forgets his wallet, just put it on my card, it's all good, right? Now, that is the scenario that is set up here. It's, it's the same scenario with, that we have with Christ, right? Christ already paid the price. And so we don't need to worry how many times we are going to get, go to him and ask for forgiveness because it's already paid, right? Uh, if you think about this, right, it's a similar thing when you go to the book of Exodus. Um, and this is when the, the first Passover happens, right? And they're told to slaughter a lamb. And this is something that I hadn't noticed uh, until, like, I had read this passage over and over again. I hadn't noticed it before. I always read it as, like, uh, I, it's one of those things that you just kind of read over all the time. But it talks about if the lamb was too much for the household to share it with other households. That's an awesome thing, right? It's not that if the blood of the lamb wasn't enough for one household. It's if it was too much, right? And the awesome thing about that is when you think about it, right, the blood of Jesus is enough to cover all of the sins of the world for all eternity. No matter how much sin, like no matter how many times we sin, we can always go to Christ for forgiveness. It's paid 
now, it's paid in our past, it's paid in the future. And that's an awesome thing. Now, John goes back to this idea of uh, if we say we, we don't sin, right? So first he says, it, verse 10 is similar to verse 8 here. I'm going to read verse 8 again really quick. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then verse 10, he kind of reiterates that, but it hits very differently, right? Because I could lie to myself, right? I could lie to you, right? But verse 10 kind of hits hard. It says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You say, if you can sit there and say that you have not sinned, or that you don't sin. You make Christ a liar. How terrible is that when you think about it? God sent his son to die for us on the premise that we're sinners, right? And we need salvation. So how much God gave for us, and then we call him a liar when we say that we haven't sinned. God sent his son to die for that. When I hear, you know, some of those preachers, Todd White, one of them, a famous guy, he was one of the ones that said, I don't sin anymore. He's making Christ a liar. We need to walk in forgiveness. We need to understand that the only reason why we are saved is because God is good, not because of any righteousness that we can do. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags, right? Ephesians 2.8 uh, says, For by grace you are saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. Right? Or sorry, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And then it says, not of works, lest any man should boast. We need to walk throwing ourselves at the mercy of Christ all the time. Because while we should be trying not to sin in our lives, and John's going to talk about that later, we should be trying not to sin in our lives, but the reality is, is that we are sinners. And we still commit sin, even when we try not to. Right? Even the apostles, right? they weren't perfect men. We need to walk in forgiveness. So just to recap this morning, as the pianist and song leader come, we need to walk in the light because God is light, right? We need to be trying to get as close to him as possible, right? That will guide us. We need to walk in fellowship, right? We need to have fellowship with Christ, and we need to have fellowship with each other. We need to love the brethren here and be worshiping God together. We also need to understand that we're not perfect. And that means that we need to walk in forgiveness, right? And so if you're ever questioning whether or not you're a believer, right? Walk in the light. Are you trying to be like Christ? Do you love the brethren, right? Are you walking in fellowship, right? Do you love Christ? Do you love the brethren? And do you walk in forgiveness? 
These are the things that will let us know. And if any of those is lacking, it should be setting off little warning lights, right? Ultimately, in order to be saved, all you have to do, this is, this is it, and then God will begin to change you, right? This is, all this stuff is how God is working in you, not about how you can work. So if you're here this morning and you're not saved, all you need to do is repent and believe. Those two things, and God will begin to mold you in who he, into who he wants you to be. Believe, understand that Jesus Christ came and died for all of your sin. And not, not just of yours, but for the whole world as well. But he came and died for you specifically. And repent. Say, God, I want to change, right? You need to have a change in your life. You need to be, uh, repent literally means to turn around or to change direction, right? You need to understand that you are a sinner and then you need to turn towards Christ. And so if you repent and you believe, you will be saved. And you will have eternity with Christ, your Savior, in heaven. Make a decision to do that this morning if you have not already.